0: Hello friends and welcome to a midweek helping of the Kings of Anglia podcast. Great point for town last night. Um, clean sheet at home, up to 11th in the table. Unbeaten now for a week. You know, Northampton, unbeaten run goes on for 54 years. Fantastic stuff. Lads gave everything. Couldn't ask for more. Absolutely fantastic time to be an Ipswich Town fan. I jest, of course, friends. I am Mark Heath. I'm your host. Uh, and there's a lot... ...to talk about in this upcoming podcast. <sighs> We've had games called off for snow. We've had fans starting fires at the training ground. We've had referees squaring up to players. We've had, what else have we had? We've had players exiled from the first team. This is just a week in the life of Ipswich Town. It is, as they say, a banter club. Um, joining me this week for this single weekly offering um, due to furlough... ...is on three hours sleep very put upon the dr Stuart watson how are you stewie
1: i'm all right mate i'm okay
0: (laughs) just pin your eyelids open with those uh, those cocktail sticks you've used that trick before um and also your partner in crime today hutchie is is rotated on a short-term loan to furlough fc so ross halls my friend is the third wheel today how are you ross
2: i'm very good it's um <clears throat> it's only wednesday by the way um so it's been a crazy week so far it's only wednesday so we've got a few more days left it has, the been, weekend, it has so. been
0: it has been utterly extraordinary just before we were starting to record we were just saying you know what a mental period this has been uh, in an already crazy season for its Rich town um we have to start of course uh for first of all i should apologize again for them being no pod on monday as i've alluded to previously um Furlough FC short-term loans means at the moment we're struggling to do two pods a week. There's just not enough of us around. Hopefully, normal service will be resumed next week and we're back to to a twice weekly pod. So this is your single helping this week. Of course, there will also be a game day extra time pod with your boy Roscoe coming at you on Friday. But in terms of flagship show, this is going to be only one this week. And there's so much to discuss. So let's dive straight into it. Last night Ipswich Town drew at home nil nil against the side that haven't scored in a decade. Uh, they haven't got a manager. Um, they just lost at home two 0 to the, the only side beneath them in League One. Uh, <laughs> I mean, arguably that is the worst result of the season in what is already a shambolic season for Ipswich Town. Stuart Watson, um, I want to come to you first of all for your thoughts, uh, and then we're going to get into post game really because I think that's probably most interesting. Lambert's very honest and open interview with you. Just, just start off with your thoughts on last night, Stewie. It was a it was a shambles, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, that's a new low for me. Uh, I thought that was embarrassing. I thought there have been times where we've talked about the deficiencies in their play in terms of not creating enough chances, not being toothless. We've never really been able to go to town on not players downing tools, but just not... I don't even know if I'd throw that at them last night, and I don't know if, know if that makes it even worse. But there was just no, there was nothing about that performance last night. It was just, it was just lifeless. And we talked about this being a quiet group of players, a lack of leaders. It, it was a younger tide last night, but it's just, everyone looks to each other to make things happen. Nobody, you've used the phrase before, nobody picks the team up and puts them on their back and says, right, come on. Let's do this. It's just, I would it was it was bad last night. I was I was half time. I went I went to go and get a cup of coffee and I walked past McMill's, and I just shook my head at him and he just looked back at me and shook his head and we we exchanged a few words. He's you know he sort of said oh yeah but of course you know you guys don't know what you're talking about and sort of making a bit of a flippant comment about sort of Paul Lambert dismissing some of our views and I think Sometimes, you know, you wonder, do do we really get this? And then someone like Mick Mills backs it up. 700-plus appearances for Ipswich, former England captain. Mm. And you think, yeah, no, this is bad.
0: Just confirms that. I I, I didn't hear it, but I'm led to believe that Mick Mills and Brenner were were talking about potentially starting booing uh, last night to to represent the fans. Roscoe, you were obviously pitch side. It's bloody good that you boys get actually paid to go to these games because I'm not sure how I'd get you there otherwise. Uh, you gave a, a very passionate Roscoe react which you can, you can watch now across all our social medias you managed not to swear which was tremendous mm. um, but again you used a lot of the peas ponderous poor pathetic all that kind of stuff what, what was it like for you watching from from pitch side, Roscoe did it look any better down there
2: no it was oh it was so bad <clears throat> it's probably the worst game I've ever witnessed um, wow in my life of supporting town I've been to some bad games I've traveled I've seen us lose 6-0 away at Blackpool. I've seen us lose some, you know, bad games. But that last night, it would have been worse if we lost. Mm. <laughs> because, you know, we... we and it was oh, just, oh, so bad. Oh, I've just lost the words now. I don't want to repeat what we've all said on this podcast for the last two years. Yeah. Because it was just, it was just so boring as well. Like, League One football
1: at times this season has just been so bad. It's the context, isn't it? About who yeah. they're, you, You've outlined it's Northampton. It's a team that Ipswich haven't played for decades in the same league. It's We've talked about the context of now clubs like Accrington and Crewe being higher than Ipswich. It's now Northampton and you, you've highlighted that they hadn't... The defeats and the, the lack of goals that they'd had and no manager. It's all, all of that context behind that performance last night. It just
0: it's dreadful. Sorry. it's dreadful boys. we keep saying this is a new low point. um and you you are starting to wonder now how low are which town actually going to sink because just when we think we've, we've reached the lowest point they go and outdo themselves and do something like they did last night. Um, dreadful. now i don't want to i don't want to um spend too much time talking about the game because obviously it was rubbish but there are quite a few talking points coming out of it and we'll get on to the red card and, and the absolutely extraordinary scenes of the referee squaring up to Alan Judge which on any other night would would be the main talking point but I think for me Stewie the main talking point from last night was the interview that Paul Lambert gave to you after the game because um, I was expecting I mean I tw- actually tweeted out somewhat facetiously something similar to how I started the pod about it being a, a good point you know clean sheet at home like kind of stuff expecting they would come out and say that but he, he for me at least, reading the Q&A, which is available now online, uh, if you want to go back and read it, if you've not read it, um, he just came out and was, was brutally honest and kind of speaking from the heart uh, and the sort of stuff that had he, had he said that before, instead of trying to claim that everything was great and, and town were playing well, it maybe would have engendered a bit more goodwill towards him. But you kind of described him in your, Sue you says this morning, as, as a broken man, Sue. Just talk us through that chat after the game and, and how Paul was.
1: I was surprised that that was his approach after the game. Um, A, the quote, you know, the first thing is, is he going to do the press because he hasn't, he's been picking and choosing which ones he does. Um, we're told Jesse is going to do it. Then we're <clears> told <throat> usual drill. Everyone's heard he said, you know, on air audibly that only ask me questions about the game, keep it short. So I thought we were going to get spiky, confrontational Paul Lambert, and instead. He looked a bit beaten and broken, and for me, that was a bit of a—I might be wrong, but that—that that felt like a cry for put me out of my misery, Marcus. Mm. Um, again, it's—it's—it's it's, it's riddles. It's a bit muddled. Yes, people will say I appreciate the honesty, and he should have been, you know. And and now the the conversation flips back onto Marcus, and the, there are deeper issues at this club and. Um, You know, the managers have always been the human shield for the owner and just changing the manager is not going to change everything. And Marcus has been the one constant. And that is that is all correct and valid. But it just felt to me calculated from Paul to bring that up last night A, a little bit. That was deflection tactics, you know, once again. He knew that he couldn't play, that we played great card. He knew those those cards had been played. He's got no injuries to hide behind now. He's been given his four signings in January. All of that's gone. So now his next card to play is chuck a little bit at the owner. Mm. And I'm sorry. and, And this is how the interview ended. I sort of said, I get all of that, Paul. Structure's not right. Various things behind the scenes. But putting all that aside, this squad... Are you getting the best out of the tools at your disposal? And, and the answer has to be no, and that mm. has to be on the manager.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, like you say, he. Um, for those of you who have not read it yet, he basically said, I'm not the only one to blame uh, and and suggested, obviously, there were much deeper issues at the club, which is true, uh, and he's just been on TalkSport as well, where he, he used the words, um, basically insinuated that he he protected Randy Lerner at Aston Villa, didn't he, Stu, and, and, and said he's not going to do the same here, which clearly is a... Is a reference to to Marcus Evans and perhaps feeling that he should be more in the line of fire. Uh, Ross, what did you make of of Lambert's quotes after the game? Were you, were you surprised that he came out and was was that kind of honest and broken by it?
2: Oh, I was just expected <clears throat> to be another one of another coaching staff to do the press, but um, mm-hmm. you know, well done for Paul to actually do the press. But yeah, as, as Stu said, he's he's used all the cards and we played brilliantly and all that the boys worked hard you know he had, he had to come out and say something different um mm. and yeah i just don't know how how many lives he's got left really because you know cat have nine lives how many has paul had so far i don't really know he's he's there's a lot a lot that um he's had a few yeah um you know we just want a team to be proud of and i don't feel fans don't feel connected to the manager the owner um, even some of the players at some point as well. Um, and it's just, I just, I don't even bother with it anymore with Paul Lambert's press conferences. I just don't bother even listening to it. You know, I don't even read and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that now to my manager right now. I just don't bother because I don't I don't care what he says. But obviously, wait, it,
0: obviously, obviously, dear listeners, you should care what he says and please do continue engaging with our content. <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, of course, yeah, yeah. Ignore me, that's just me. It's me, me being me. But I yeah. think even, even with other managers, I never really... I, I never really look into that, really, because it's just the same old stick they put out, don't they, when they speak to to the press. But um, move on.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, I think I think we're all definitely guilty, and and us in the media particularly of, of over analysing managers' words and looking for meaning where there isn't any, and ultimately put all of that aside. Win games, win games, Paul, and he's not winning games. He's won four games in the last. Uh, 14, I think it is, in the league. Four in 14. Two of them against Burton by the slimmest of margins. One of them was after Plymouth went down to 10 men. 23 points from the last 20 games. If you extrapolate that over a season, that's that's just above the relegation zone form. Over 20 games. Best part of half a season. This isn't a blip. This isn't a few games now. And this isn't just this season. This is this is history repeating from last season as well. As Ross says, how how many lives? It's you know, had multiple games when he came in in the championship as well. And and they went down without a fight. And, and for him to now, you know, now that the, the training ground incident now gets raised, and that's not true, Ipswich fans. And I'm uncomfortable that once again, the narrative a little bit in the national media is a bit sort of ungrateful, Ipswich fans living in the past and thinking there's a divine right. And they hounded Mick out and, uh, you know, Ross says, you just want a team and a club to be proud of. No one's asking them to be the 70s and the 80s team. No one's even talking about 2000. You know, they just want Ipswich to be better Mm. than they are. And it's not too much to ask for more than we're getting. It really, really isn't.
0: No. No. 100%, 100%, Stu, you, you're spot on. We'll, we'll come on to the protest you mentioned there, obviously, later on. There's a lot to to get through today. Um, you say Lambert kind of almost asking to be uh, part of his misery. Uh, and at many other clubs, that would have happened quite a long time ago, Stu. So do you think we're any closer to, to that happening? Because we've said before, obviously, we've called for him to be sacked publicly. All manner of people have done the same. The fans are almost unanimous, it would seem in wanting him to go, and yet and yet, nothing happens. Marcus is going to have to pull the trigger because Lambert's not going to walk away. So do you think we're any closer to end game there?
1: Well, first of all, I don't blame Paul for not walking away. Um, the club were stupid enough to give him a, a five-year contract, albeit with, with clauses in there, which there definitely are. I don't know the exact terms of those, but it's not like he's going to be paid up his contract in full. Whether... Those clauses there are certain dates in those and certain scenarios where it's which need to be in the league is coming into play with this delay from Marcus I don't know it's about the only thing I can think of at this moment in time for, for a reason why this this hasn't happened because it's not just the fan base who are I think pretty much united we don't know that for sure but it feels way beyond sort of the noisy minority on social media here now. Mm uh we the media we in our part of the media have made our our feelings known on the situation and and internally at the club i I promise you there are no allies there for paul Lambert from top to bottom within that club so many people have been alienated. you touched upon the you know the the nolan jackson story that we that we broke this morning about them being sort of exiled to the under 23s people without sort of giving away too much, people within the academy, people within recruitment, players. So many people are disheartened, disillusioned, angry, saddened by this situation. And and a lot of it does stem to the management situation. And I'm not saying that changing a manager would solve everything overnight. There are clearly deeper running issues. And, and the talk about structure and infrastructure is valid, but somebody could get more out of this squad. I do firmly believe that. And and there'll be people going, you know, maybe these players are just not as good as, as, as we've made out, go through them. Most of them have played at this level or lower throughout their career. The, the the more experienced ones are coming to the end of their career. Are the homegrown younger players as good as people have hyped them up to be? Again, that's a valid debate, but, I, but the, it's better. It's better than this. I, it has to be better than this.
0: Mm. It does indeed, Stewie. You mentioned there Caden and, and and John Nolan being exiled. Should we should we talk a little bit about that? Because that's obviously another another thing that that you you and Hutchie broke this morning, working through the night. I think that dropped at five thirty AM this morning. Um, that, that Caden and, and Nolan aren't training with the first team. They're they're with the under 23s Can you talk a little bit about that? All stems from from Caden's red card, doesn't it? Against uh, was it Sunderland that game, uh, and then. Nolan wanting essentially what sound of it wanting to explore and move away um, um,
1: yeah, I think that the, the transfer deadline day stuff came after that this This originally stems from sort of fallouts with with the manager in john nolan 's case. He, he started against Sunderland, was told that he was dropped to the bench for the crew game. Um, traveled up to Crewe um, and then was told once they're up there, actually, you're not on the bench. Um, By all accounts, having been told, I'll go back a step, having been told he was dropped to the bench, he trained overzealously was the the description to me in training on the Friday because he was quite fired up to sort of prove that wrong was told to calm down a bit, a few little words exchanged. So anyway, skip forward to the next day. They, they travel up to crew. Oh, by the way, you're not on the bench anymore. You're the 19th man. Felt like that was a bit of a, a punishment. Um, and then that's it. You're in the bomb squad. You're in the 23s. And Paul Lambert has got history of doing this at previous clubs. Senior players get told to go and train with the kids. Um, and then... There's some transfer deadline day interest in John Nolan. Clubs are going to be aware of of the situation. Peterborough had a sniff. Wigan made an offer. Rotherham made an offer, from what I gather, and the club didn't entertain it, which just doesn't make sense. Um, Like, uh, so much stuff at the moment. It just doesn't add up. And the the Caden Jackson stuff, I mean, you can go back to last summer with with Caden Jackson, where there was talks about his contract and... um, and stuff like that. But I, I just don't think they handled the Huddersfield interest particularly well. But I, I know Caden will have felt like he was hung out to dry with the comments over, over the red card in terms of it being a horrendous mm-hmm. tackle and uh, all that sort of stuff as well. So it's just another example of um, things not being great behind the scenes. Mm.
0: As you say, Lambert, no stranger to having bomb squads in the past. Darren Bent, uh, or previous member of the bomb squad at Villa, Um, Spoke out this week on TalkSport saying, uh, essentially what you've already said, Stu, that that people associated with the club, who are some of the nicest people you will ever meet, are not happy with Paul Lambert. Uh, It's all just an absolute mess, isn't it, Roscoe?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, top to bottom. Um, You know, I think we're not surprised that this is the beginning of, you know, players being exiled and, as Stu said, the bomb squad. Great word, that, bomb squad. Mm. Um you know, the fans, I think, are probably on the fence with, say, Jackson Nolan. Some people maybe like them. Some people think they're overrated and all that. Um, but, yeah, you think it is the beginning of the end, um, although it's been beginning of the end for a while. But when you then start exiling players, then that may get other players talking. It's just a mess everywhere. Just, you it, know, just it, it just yeah.
0: breeds disharmony, doesn't it? And, and whether or not you rate Jackson or Nolan or not, to have players that kind of senior level of player i mean in jackson's case what was he one one point something million um, uh, uh, that they bought him for it just doesn't make sense does it stewie for, for for so many reasons and if if you're having interest in in like you say nolan a- and you're not going to play him why don't you let him go otherwise otherwise it becomes like a personal punishment doesn't it you're you're going to stay here and we're not going to play you
1: yeah and this and the same with denatian the managers made it clear that We've known for a long time that he, he's not, he's not having Genoi, but then interest comes in for him, and the, and the club turn it down. and And you think is that is that evidence of the owner perhaps having some real doubts in his mind about the manager? Because you think, well, I'll keep him on as an asset just in case I change manager, and and the new manager fancies him instead. So. It's just so much of it doesn't add up at, at the moment it's the squad's too big, it's too bloated as well, which creates its issues. The fact that they were scrambling around for for lone players halfway through the season to to improve a squad that should have been doing better anyway um I don't know I don't know what to say about it all anymore <laughs> it's it, it's painful it's it's miserable it's this is just just dragged on. And on and on and on and uh, I, I thoroughly get why why people are fed up. I know people will have opinions on what, on whether what Blue Action did on on Monday was was right or wrong. I can see both sides of it. It's not a great look in the in the middle of a, of a lockdown um, at all. And if the incident was as the club says it is, with some of the flares being thrown over the fence and I think that the talk of flames has been kind of overplayed. From, from what I gather, it's sort of a, a little bit of signage kind of briefly caught fire and w- was stamped out. Um, but people are desperate at the moment. They feel like they've got no voice. They feel like nothing. You know that nothing they do, they're, they're not in the ground. They've got they can't voice even voice their opinion within the ground. They've, they've, done, they've tried to do sort of banners at various stage, which. They will feel are getting ignored. So it's it's an act that was an act of of desperation from from people that are that are hurting right now about where their football club is at. Mm.
0: We'll come back to the protest in a minute because I want to have a, a long conversation about that. But first of all, I just want to dot the uh, dot the I's and cross the t's from last night. And if you are listening to this, and obviously it is a bit of a a tough, depressing listen, and you're in your car, please don't drive into a big tree or wall uh, because it is <laughs> it's not all bad. Um, and one of the things that I thought was extraordinary and entertaining last night was to see a referee, Stewie, physically squaring up to a player. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Uh, just, Remarkable. Just, just, just talk us through that. So if you've not seen it, Alan Judge goes down late on. It certainly looks like a decent shout for a penalty. Uh, he, he then gets booked by the referee starts walking towards the referee what's the referee's name um drysdale darren, darren darren drysdale. Darren drysdale darren drysdale starts walking towards the referee the referee in response starts marching towards him and essentially sticks his head in judge's face uh and then has to be separated from judge by a couple of town players i've never ever seen players have to step in to separate a player and a ref with the ref being the aggressor stew it was it was mental <laughs>
1: Madness. I started today. My day started at about seven o'clock this morning with a with a phone call from Radio Four to come on and talk about that. Um, yeah, on any other day, that is the major talking point, and it got Paul Lambert didn't even get asked about it afterwards, remarkably, because that's not our biggest story at the moment in the context of Ipswich Town. But wow, um, yeah, as you as you say, I mean, people will go. Referees take a lot of a lot of abuse and this is the culture of football that finally someone's kind of shown a bit of authority back from the referee, but people like Kalina could show authority by kind of standing their ground and having mm. a mean uh, taking no nonsense kind of face with, with players. But let's have this right. This wasn't Flynn Downs is kind of nearby on the scene and is he's, he's obviously got some choice words about it. And there's a little bit of a ping finger jab from him, but not up around the referee's face and not right in his face. Then judge kind of marches towards him with intent. Again, I'm assuming with some fairly colorful language and he jabs the finger a couple of times, but this isn't Yapstam and Roy Keane snarling and frothing at the mouth in front of um, Andy Durso for that incident back Mm. in the sort of the early noughties. This wasn't the scale Mm. of that. This wasn't whole scale players kind of backing, backing the referee back. Judge is kind of walking past him, you know, and um, Drysdale's the aggressor. He kind of turns, leans shoulder and head into him. The still pictures are not good. There's a gritted teeth look about his face. He's kind of leaning his head down into Alan Judge because there's a, there's a height difference there. I've never seen anything like it. It was remarkable. And fair play to both sets of players, actually. That could have really turned quite ugly had anyone reacted worse to it. The Northampton players did well to kind of peacefully pro, you know, peacefully kind of act as peacemakers judge did quite well to walk away from it. I thought Mm. Um, madness, absolute madness.
0: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) as you say, the referees, I hate in football. One of the things I hate about modern football is when players surround the referee and brandish, you know, cards and, and, and give it effing and jeffing and all that sort of stuff. But in this case, (laughs) it looked like Drysdale wanted to fight Alan Judge that was that was what I thought he's going to punch him um what should happen now to the ref because you can't let you can't let a ref do that can you Stu
1: I I don't know um there'll there'll be some actions taken I don't think Ipswich are looking to make a big issue out of it um from the statement I read from from them last night but the the assessors and people there's no way that Mike Jones was, is going to be able to kind of ignore that with the, the, the national coverage that that's that's got this morning um there is a horrible culture within football of and has been for a long time with with the way that players can speak to referees and we've heard more of it since it's behind closed doors mm. Luke Chambers in particular uh, didn't play last night but he he's a particularly bad one for being in the ref zero game I think Lambert and Taylor on the sidelines. I, I don't like a lot of their behavior towards the official during matches. Taylor in in particular can stand right next to the fourth official for minutes and minutes on end, going, you know, they wait for them at, at half time and full time. So there there is that culture within football when it's not right for referees, but the referee needs to be above all of that. He is he, you know, he needs to be um he needs to be bigger than all of that unfortunately and uh he just lost his head didn't he last mm. night um Yeah. I I tweeted earlier in the game that perhaps he was the most entertaining thing about it because there was a certain showmanship, a bit of Mike Dean about him. There was some real sort of flamboyant kind of totting up, you know, you know, when the referee sort of says, oh, that this booking is for, um, four or five fouls and he points to all the various positions over the, there was a lot of real sort of flamboyant pointing and, um, showmanship from him as someone who looked like he was quite enjoying being the center of attention. But, uh, Little did I know that um, that was to that was to come. Yeah, Ross, um,
0: obviously there was a, a penalty incident which preceded that, which kicked all this off with Alan Judge going down under pressure late on. You were you were pitch side. Did you have a decent view of that? What did you think of it? Was it a penner?
2: Not really. I've got the best view in the house, but um, it's always different players in the way. And where we're sat is where the linesman is. So annoyingly, most of the time the lino is in my way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just... Just mental, you know. We can have moans, you know, us fans and everybody that League One officials are are terrible. Um we've had so many different decisions go against us. Um, you know, red cards a lot this season. Um, you know, in, in, in games like that. And I'm sure the town players they're trying their best just to get something out of the game and I'm, you know, Judge is not known for diving. Um I've watched the back and yeah, there is a, there is a bit of contact there. Um uh, just mental, just mental. This referee, he did, he did. Sh- as Stu said, the showmanship. He was really like loving it. Just like even just when he was like doing a card, he was like, mm. and like you know, and like you know, blowing his whistle and you know stuff like that. He's- a lot of referees in League One, I've noticed this season, they've been like that. It's been a few other ones like, I can mention yeah. that have been really like how they're running and how they're just blowing the whistle and just showing yellow cards and when a re- uh, when a players aren't like, know sacks up to them, and they're just standing there like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and you know but just and you know the referees i feel like they, they are getting more arrogant now um yeah, you know, it's been like that for many years i'm sure that they are the center of attention they are the, the men controlling the game um but yeah he was very he was uh very different this this referee
0: obviously you, uh, you're listening to this you can't see that but when ross said the ref was like this he essentially did a, a flamboyant i'd say freddie mercury-esque gesture with his arm obviously good job Hutchy's not here if we start talking about Freddie Mercury and Queen but um yeah that that kind of level of flamboyance Stewie, some, of, uh,
1: some of the stances were but you know when Ronaldo does his celebration and he kind yeah. of jumps and puff, puffs his chest out and puts it you know parts his legs in that sort of wide stance that was the kind of the, the stance that was being taken um when making some of these these gestures
0: yeah um, well, at least there was something to be entertained by last night. Uh, um, and then
1: just, just to finish
0: off the game before we move on to the uh, the fan protest, which obviously we have to talk about, Stewie. It, the red card right at the end, just to cap off the night, Flynn Downs gets sent off. Um, thoughts on that?
1: Um, I'll be honest, I haven't seen it back so far. Um, I had my head down. I'm trying to deal with sort of finishing off the match report. We're still sort of d- digesting what had just happened previously. Uh, I'm still not 100% sure, if I'm honest, whether the whether it's two bookings or a straight red. Um, I I think Flynn Downs is the one that gets booked after the judge incident because he's the one that's kind of on the scene and kind of pushes, gently sort of pushes the the referee away. This isn't, this wasn't a shove to the chest, but I think he's the one that gets booked there. And then I think he gets a second yellow card for a foul. Not long after that. Um, so in this instance, you can kind of understand why why Ipswich players maybe maybe lost their, their heads a little bit in the, in the latter stages, but it is against a backdrop of Flynn Downs having previous for seeing mm. the red mist at times. It is against a backdrop of a number of red cards, both during the Paul Amber era and in recent weeks now, three in the last five games. Um, the foul count at Peterborough was into the 20s. The foul count last night uh, was into the 20s. Ill-discipline, as I touched on before, I, I think is, is a problem at the moment. Mm. These are all
0: all terrible signs. I mean, nothing we talk about is good. Um, just just to finish off, Stu, there's always this, this phrase, playing for the manager in, in football. Um, and last night, you alluded to earlier the, the fact that the players should take up, you know a portion of the blame for what they did on on the pitch last night Is this a bunch of players that are still playing for for Paul Lambert do you think
1: or um as I said I don't know if they've downed tools and we've talked about whether that playing for the manager thing gets overplayed at times yeah but how many of them were his five lone players in that team that that he's he's signed that you know they're not going to suddenly be downing tools because they think that they're going to get the manager out in the next few days. I wouldn't think. Mm. Um, maybe the whole sort of mood around the club has kind of, I'm sure it's been a surprise to someone like goodness knows what Troy Parrott and Luke Matheson and Josh Harrop are thinking that have just arrived yeah. here. And, and, you know, a few days later are seeing flares let off at the training ground and, front pages calling for the manager to be sacked and stuff like that. So mentally they just didn't look like they had anything in the tank as a, as a collective unit um, last night. Mm. They just didn't. And I just think the balance of this team is it it needed some real experienced men in that side. And then people go, well, everyone was crying out for the youthful fullbacks. But Yeah, it still needs probably an old head at centre-half alongside one of the young ones. It probably still needs someone nasty and physical and experienced in in the centre of the park alongside some of the more technical players. Uh, Probably needs someone like that up the top end of the pitch as well. I thought it made a difference when when Norwood and and Judge came on in the second half. But um, uh, I don't think that many in that squad are busting a gut to save Paul Lambert, put it that way.
0: Mm. It seems to be endemic of the culture that seems so deep rooted in the club that, you know, the acceptance of mediocrity, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It's just another example for me. And on Norwood, we haven't even, in terms of the whole list of things we've got to talk about this week, we haven't actually even mentioned Norwood's little, uh, little dalliance with a fan on Twitter using uh, a a player's cousin to, 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 which he obviously didn't realise um to slag off a fan on twitter a picture of um i can't imagine that has gone down very well
1: that was, that was classic wasn't it yeah. yeah just just another day in the life of ipswich town that that seems a lifetime ago now as does the uh six hour round trip to Shropshire for a nice little day trip that that was fun on saturday that was your,
0: uh, that was your valentine's day out wasn't it with, with hutchie we'll get on to that in a minute i no,
1: was no, back for that wasn't i in the end because uh, yeah. we didn't stay over but um that did make me laugh that james norwood thing classic james norwood uh the, the original tweet that he was responding to was not very nice. And no. the, the the topic of uh, abuse and hate on social media is obviously a topical one at the moment. And, and people routinely cross the line and it's almost become an acceptable part of society and it shouldn't. And if someone is calling you an effing C word, then do you know what? Everyone's human and you're, you're going to have a, a pop back at, at some point. Um, but it was just unfortunate that he picked uh, a real niche kind of lookalike. yeah i don't know i don't know when darnell was on big brother ta- circa I mean, 2008 or something i don't, I don't talking, know
0: yeah we're talking more than 10 years ago darnell was, darnell was a thing and as far as i'm aware he's not been in the public eye since so um he has he has gone very niche there with with, with picking that lookalike in which d- d-
1: darnell is the uh the cousin of andre dizelle he's the son of tony swallow who is jason dizelle's brother and tony swallow has um quite the uh, reputation as being a man not to to mess with in uh, in Ipswich circle certainly back in in the day so um that just amused me when i when i saw that and then i think james realized and and then he posted i think andre's seen the uh the funny side and posted a picture of andre laughing but the the thought of james kind of frantically googling to see <laughs> whether whether indeed darnell from big brother was was related to andre tazel and i could understand why you would think that that's maybe not the case. Um, yeah, that did make me chuckle. But um, just just, just an, another saga in that, as you say, the banter years of Ipswich Town as it's beginning to feel like
0: you literally couldn't make it up. Um, and and something else you perhaps couldn't make up, at least in terms of Ipswich Town's history of tolerance uh, and giving my managers time and all that kind of stuff um, in this very very unusual world that we live in now. Fans obviously aren't at games. They can't make their voice heard. So they're having to go to to other ways of doing that. And Stu, you touched on it earlier. Again, another thing, it's this far down the list in terms of things we're talking about. On any other week, it would be top of it. But the Blue Action um, Independent Supporters Group went to the training ground on Monday, let off some flares, may or may not have uh, started a little bit of a fire at the old training ground. Training was was suspended as a result. um there's smoke everywhere. <sighs> uh, <laughs> What, you touched on it earlier, Stu, but but maybe talking a bit more depth about it now. What what did you make of that and and what <laughs> it's so hard to talk about this. Um what what are your thoughts on the whole situation?
1: What I said earlier really. Um I think people feel like that's as far as they could push it and they didn't feel like their voices were being heard previously. Um I'm sure there's a lot of people goading Blue Action uh, from afar. You need to do more. you your next move. What you're going to do? In the same way that people were kind of on our case all the time. When's your front page? When you're going to do this? Um, which is all very easy to kind of call from afar. Um, but as I said, it's, it's not a great look in in the middle of a lockdown scenarios where people aren't meant to be outside and meeting up and doing things and um, it, I think the story sort of gained legs nationally. It almost became like, a, and it caused a fire at the training ground. It was just meant to be a few flares and, and chance of, of Lambert out. If mm. they started chucking the flares over the fence, which is what's been said, that's not great, is it? But ultimately I think it, it stopped training for about 10 minutes. Um, the police were called, but it sounds like they scarped as soon as, as Stuart Taylor and, uh, latterly Leo Neal came over to, uh, to try and have a word. Mm. Um, but I guess people will say to, to make an omelette, you have to break a few eggs and the various things they'd done previously didn't make it into the national agenda. But I tell you what, it's, it's got it got Ipswich, it's got Ipswich Town in the national news this week. You know, it was talked about on the, on Sky Sports. It was talked about on Talk Sport. So mm. maybe it's uh, mission accomplished in, on on that front. But I can absolutely see why people think it, uh, the nature of it crossed the line. I don't know what you guys think.
0: What about you, Roscoe?
2: It's it's a hard one because, you know, the fans, they can't go to the games. Um, that's the big thing about this weird season, weird world we're living in at the moment. You know, fans can't express their, their, their hatred of Paul Lambert, basically. Um, I don't really agree with what they did um it's just it's hard because they just they, they can't they can't express
0: yeah i think it's on the grounds i think it's a product of the the situation we're in isn't it where where you don't have fans in grounds people don't feel like they can truly make their voice heard um clearly they've, they've tried other protests and that was it that was an escalation there's no doubt about that at all um did i read somewhere that town said the, the blue action apologized or have, have i made that up
1: uh, yes, yeah. And that's, that's what's been said to me. Apparently they've spoken to, I think it's Max that kind of leads leads that group, um, led to believe he wasn't actually involved in the protest, but kind of agreed that it, it crossed the line and, and apologised. Um, mm. So that's, that's what we've been told.
0: Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, well, another extraordinary event in what's been a, a fairly extraordinary week. Um, <laughs> going right it's the Wednesday. way back. And It's only Wednesday. Going right the way back to the start, uh, which obviously would have we would have spoken about on Monday, had there been enough of us here to to do a podcast. You was your little trip to to Shrewsbury, a nice uh, a nice little jaunt there. Um, with the game being called off with forty minutes to go, we should, in terms of covering everything to do with Ipswich Town, since we last spoke, we should talk about that a little bit. Um, so you essentially, as I as I see it, you rocked up, you got to Shrewsbury, uh, walked out onto the pitch area, or, or at least in in the press area, and and the goals were being taken down. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. It. Um, had no idea that the game was, was going to be off. We pulled up at the ground at the very moment that the, the team or well, Paul Lambert pulled up. He travelled, uh, uh, I think, separately in his own car. Uh, we walked in and I think everyone found out at the same time. Uh, steward sort of casually said, as I walked through the tunnel area, oh, second pitch inspection underway, lads. And then I looked across to my left and the goal was being taken down, which is, is never a good sign. And then we kind of had the whole saga of whether the game was going to be played the next day. Um, there's a lot of things you can knock Paul Lambert for, but that game getting called off is not one of them. Um, the referee made the decision that it was unplayable. It was The pitch looked good. Like I, I, was, I think I was a bit blase about it because the, the, the fact the Peterborough game went ahead I kind of thought, well, if that can go ahead with the state of that pitch, we won't have any issues here. Um, but they say as soon as the covers came off, it, it felt cold, bitingly cold, and a bit of frost just got into some very isolated areas of the pitch, and uh, and that was that. So how long did it
0: take you to get to Shrewsbury then, and how long were you at Shrewsbury before you turned around and, and came back again? <laughs> uh, I
1: think I left my house about half nine, got there about... One-ish, hung about for a couple of hours, got some some quotes from the Shrewsbury end, put them online, waited to find out whether the the game definitely wasn't getting played the next day, because we might have looked to stay over, and then uh, literally straight back in the car and straight home again, I was back back in time for tea. (laughs) Nice little day trip.
0: Who says you don't live a glamorous life, you and Hutchie? And also, um, you, you tweeted a picture of Hutchie leaning on the on the hoardings whilst trying to work the phones to find out what's happening with the, with the game that we played the no, next it day. Wasn't. Well, no, I was wasn't. on the phone
1: to his wife. On the phone he was to on his, his wife. Phone to his wife saying, "I might not be home for Valentine's Day." We've already established um, last week, however, that he
0: doesn't care about Valentine's Day, and it's not a thing in their house. So, what I was most struck by was the fact that he appeared to be wearing some kind of Cuban heel, Stewie.
1: Yeah, yeah, that got a lot of attention. Um, you can still find him. <laughs>
0: I mean, Hutchie's uh, obviously not the, uh, in terms of, uh, he's vertically challenged, you might say. So but I didn't realise he wore lifts. It's never, it's never, I've never seen that before with Hutchie.
1: Yeah, I'll let you sort of um, quiz him on those next time when he's when he's here. I'll let him defend his own honour.
0: We'll take him to task about that. Valentine's Day, boys. We talked about this last week as well. Hutchie said N- means nothing to him. Um, Stewie, did you do anything for Valentine's Day?
1: Uh, I got a humorous card off the internet and that was that was it job done. Nice. Was it was it was it uh was it a blue joke? Uh no I wouldn't say a blue joke. Just uh can't even remember the joke now. Not particularly <laughs> for anyone. <laughs> and no, Rossi, was fine.
0: Rossi did you uh, did you lavish Sasha with flowers and chocolates and all manner of sweet good. sweet sweet loving?
2: uh sasha was working so she didn't finish until late but i did you know get the candles out and add some chocolate and got some new flowers for the um the vase nice she came in um at about eight o'clock so she was able to
1: ross strikes me as a man or... who would have yeah. some rose petals leading from the the front door yeah to, you... to the bedroom no. too much effort yeah too much effort
0: some little tokens I... the sweet sweet rossy loving maybe <laughs> <laughs> you well, could I'm you currently wear a cap. <laughs> you, you could you could decorate your beard now as well, Ross. You could intertwine some roses. Yeah. Did I did I also see you said it was your anniversary this week, and you celebrated by going for a big shop?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Click and collect at Tesco's on Thursday. So in a way, we use Valentine's Day and our anniversary in the sort of same day because it's nice. so close together. Um, and she did actually braid a bit of my beard as well. She got bored and just braided a bit of my beard for Valentine's Day as well. It's gone Amazing. now, the braids are gone, but it's now Amazing. been that long that you can actually braid it. You
0: could so, have, you could have, like, a, was, it, was it Jack Sparrow who had the, the, <laughs> the braids all in his beard? You, you, <laughs> are, you are at that point. Boys, um, we also should talk about the week or the, the next few matches ahead, because uh, I did something once the game was called off, essentially, at the weekend, just just looking at the next five. And I didn't realise what a tough run it was. After, I thought after Northampton, obviously, they'll beat Northampton. That's no problem. Um, but then the next four games are what counts these days as a bit of a murderer's row for Ipswich Town. They've obviously got Oxford at the weekend uh, and then it's Hull uh, and then Doncaster and then Accrington. Now, we are. it's very sad, first of all, that we're at the point where that is a tough run for Ipswich Town. But I, can't, I honestly can't see, Stu, I don't know about you, where, where Town are going to get any points from in that run of four games?
1: Well, Oxford are absolutely flying, aren't they? Um, so that's a tough one on Saturday. Hull have, Hull have started to falter a fair bit. So it may be but that's still away at Hull on a, on a Tuesday night. Just the, the record against the bigger clubs in this, the the better clubs in this division, is just not can't fill you with any confidence going into these games. I just don't see if paul's still in charge i just don't see anything it's hard to find any optimism from anywhere the brief bit of optimism we got from the blackball game has been extinguished now it's um as you say that the fact that that run of fixtures is now being talked about sort of make or break and a, a tough run is, uh, is just another another marker of where the standards have, have fallen to
0: can you see any a town getting anything out of those four games, Rossi? I mean, like Stewie said, Oxford are absolutely flying. They've not too recent, not too long ago, they won nine games in a row. Hull, okay, they're faltering a bit, but they're still second in the table. Uh, they're still Hull City, one of the big boys in this division, who uh, who absolutely tonked town earlier in the season at Portman Road, and then Doncaster, obviously the four-one defeat of Doncaster and, and Accrington Stanley. <coughs> town did beat them earlier in the season, and that um counts as their best win of the season in terms of the highest ranked side they've beaten but they've never won at Accrington so those four games any points at all can you see
2: you know me me and Stu recorded a boot room for our YouTube channel and you know other socials and stuff and I predicted a 3-0 win against Northampton I think uh, Stu predicted 2-0 so (laughs) we got that very wrong um so going Uh, into these games I I don't know anything can happen um
0: I think we all thought, well, they'll beat Northampton yeah, yeah, and then yeah, hope you know, they hopefully they might get something out of the other games, but they've 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 drawn miserably at home with Northampton and now they're going into these incredibly
1: a, I honestly think it's a psychological block in these games against the top six, seven, eight sides now that that is just a line that's been trotted out so many times now that I just feel it's become a psychological barrier to them going into these games. Um it's what it feels like to me. Rossi,
0: is the season over?
1: Yes. I know we've
2: got 20 games. I didn't actually know how many games we had left before I said that statement last night, but I've seen the table. And yeah, we're four points off the playoffs. But, you know, watch us play football. I can't see us scoring any goals. So, yeah. for me, I've, I've had it. Season over. There you go. That's my statement. He's called it. I'm not going to backtrack if we do get in the playoffs. I'll just say, yeah. Fair enough, fair to them, but I'm done. This is what makes game. this all
1: so frustrating because they're still only four points off the playoffs with a game or more in hand on many of the teams above them. It's still there for them, and but it's not there for them under Paul Lambert. I'm afraid, you, you know, it's all very well saying they get about the games in hand. You have to win games and they're not winning games and they'd have to go on a real run. And we're back to that conversation of like, towards the dying embers of last season that if well if they were to win eight of their last 12 matches then it's doable and and then, and then it's the you look at the fixtures where well, tell me where eight wins are coming from and we're, we're right back in that conversation again exactly the same it's, uh, it's uncanny how this season mirrors last
0: just note it down it's, it was twelve fifty four wednesday 17th of february ross hall said it's town season is over um, Stu, you say it is still there for them, you think, but obviously not under land. But w- at what point do we reach terminal velocity? Uh, at what point is it too late?
1: Um, soon, in terms of what a new man being able to being
0: able to turn the season around, yeah,
1: soon. And this was this was the whole reason why we went with the front page, perhaps prematurely in some people's mind, but we felt that if we're going to be accusing Marcus of acting too late, then we couldn't do the same. And it was clear to everybody that the way things were going a number of weeks ago, and this it just feels like time being wasted, games frittering away at the moment. And, um, yeah, you've talked about these next four games on the horizon. It's very soon. I, I, I fear that the, the action is going to come come too late, That's what it feels like at the moment. I mean, he might get sacked this afternoon for all we know at the moment. Um, but I'm not getting those vibes from from people I speak to. And if it doesn't happen today, um, suggests that he'll, he'll, he'll certainly have the weekend. Whether he's a whether he's a lame duck now, sort of going into the game when conversations are happening around others, that that may well be the case. But it just feels like things are drifting.
0: Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Sorry, friends. Sorry we can't bring you more good news, or any good news really, at all, apart from the fact that Ross can now braid his beard. Um Boys, is there anything else to discuss? What what have you got on the horizon What I'm having done this afternoon? I'm actually off today, but I've bravely volunteered to do this podcast on my day off to ensure we got a podcast to you this week, dear listeners. I'm having my, my COVID vaccine this afternoon. I don't I don't really know why I've been invited because they're obviously only just started on the, uh, I believe, the, the the 65 plus. And although I look pretty rough these days, I'm certainly not in that age bracket just yet. I can only imagine that whoever's decided who gets the vaccine is a, is a big KOA fan, wants to make sure that Heath sticks around for as long as possible. Um, so that's what I'm going to get done this afternoon. I'll, I'll report back. Um, I know uh, my wife had it done because she works for the, uh, the health service a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it made her ill for four days. So we shall see um, if I can if I can resist that. Have you got anything of interest coming up boys? Stu, you're going to have a nice big sleep. You're off tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. Just try and sort of <laughs> mentally recharge for, uh, for the latest edition of the Ipswich town soap opera.
0: The banter express. I can't imagine Surely the next few days are going to be Well, I suppose if Lambert goes, it might well be put everything we've just talked about completely in the shade in terms of remarkable things that have been happening. Roscoe, have you got any big plans?
2: I've um I've recently been given some VHSs which I'm going to um, make digital, so I'm going to have fun trying to make them digital later on today. So I'm going to go and get my or oh, my nan is kindly giving me a VHS plaid to use to.
0: Do they still exist? Basically,
2: make. Yeah, it's not, well, she's still got one from you know back in the day, but it's basically just been in a cupboard. But she said she wanted to keep it just in case. Yeah. You know, you never know, and here we go. So i'm going to be using it later i'm going to be interested to see if can
0: rewind it all back what's on the videotapes ross
2: so i'm working I, I didn't really want to sort uh of, oh, oh 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 yeah <laughs> <laughs> niche <No, Dutch>.
0: N- <laughs> N- niche content yeah
2: yeah niche, yeah yeah um, <laughs> Oh, it's, it's a surprise get get ready for it there we go
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah for those of you under the age of, of 25 what we're talking about there vhs is videotape which is how you used to have to record and watch things that you that weren't on tv before on demand and things like that um different world boys different world i, 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 had,
1: I had a vhs as a teenage boy in uh in my bedroom and i, I bet you i bet you did watch- what was that program that was on Channel 4?
0: Eurotrash.
1: Uh, Eurotrash. He used to always uh, religiously re- record Eurotrash as a teenage boy.
0: Yeah, That's Eurotrash. Trash. viewing. It opened, opened many a young teenage boy's yeah. eyes
1: to things back in the but day. Maybe you'd get a Channel 5 film that had a little, uh, <laughs> little scene of interest in there from, from time to time as well. Oh, Set absolutely. the old VHS for that.
0: You, you youngins today don't know how hard we had it back in the exactly. day so to speak <laughs> <laughs> uh right then boys we better go um i've got to go and get jabbed and you boys have got to do another day's work talking about Ipswich town um so there we go uh thanks for listening i hope you've enjoyed it even though it has been a depressing and tough listen again one day things will get better i'll keep saying that follow us across all the social medias kings of Angry on youtube twitter instagram and facebook have a great rest of the week Um, don't let what's happening at town ruin ruin your your days too much fingers crossed who knows they might do something at the weekend or lambert might go we never know we live in hope um have a great weekend and we'll talk to you again next week
2: from true crime to football brexit to for more great podcasts from archon head to audioboom.com slash
1: channel slash archon